In February of 2020, Nicholas Colt Vigil went to Las Vegas for a UFC match. While in Vegas, Nick got lucky and won a considerable amount of money. Nick returned to his home state of California in the early morning hours of February 25th. He arrived at his mother's house in Fortuna around 3 o'clock that morning. Nick's mom, Debbie, said that despite Nick arriving home at such an hour, he told his mom he had to head out after getting just a little bit of sleep to go meet with a friend and pick up a check. He walked out the door that morning, hopped into his Ford F-250 pickup truck, and drove off. But Nick wouldn't return home. Debbie tried to report him missing, but Nick was a 37-year-old man. He could definitely come and go as he pleases, and law enforcement didn't take her report seriously. Nick hasn't been seen or heard from since. Where is Nicholas Colt Vigil? Welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. I was originally going to schedule the case of Nicholas Colt Vigil for one of our bonus episodes because there is very little information to go on here in his case. I didn't think there was enough information to put together a full episode, but as cases sometimes do when I start researching, this one struck a nerve and I really want his story to hit a larger audience. So today, We are going to talk about the case of Nicholas Colt Vigil from Fortuna, California. Also, stay tuned to the end of the episode. We do have a sad update on one of the cases we'd covered back in October, and I will have a little bit more information on that. Before we jump into Nick's story, I want to go to a quick word from one of our sponsors for this episode, Movement and Meals. Movement and Meals is such a great way to stay on track with your health this year. The number one reason people fail at their health and weight loss goals, they give up. Movement and Meals is a newsletter that provides you with an equipment-free workout that you can do at home or at the gym, as well as a recipe for a home-cooked dinner every weekday, all sent to your inbox each morning. You don't have to download anything and you don't have to browse through endless recipes and try to decide what you want for that day. And let's face it, sometimes the decision-making process of what to make for dinner is so daunting. Those are the times we make bad choices and just order a pizza. Every weekday morning, you'll receive an email with your workout and delicious dinner recipe with ingredients included. No fluff, just your healthy choices ready to go so that you can focus on your day. Did you ever find a recipe that you wanted to check out only to have to scroll through the author's life story and endless ads before you actually get to the recipe? You don't have to worry about that with movement and meals. They are respectful of your time and get right to the point. And actually that's the number one reason I don't look up recipes online anymore. So annoying to keep scrolling. Every Saturday morning, you'll receive an email with your shopping list for the next week's recipes so that you can get stocked up and ready for the week. 
You can try Movement and Meals for free for two weeks at movementandmeals.substack.com. I'll also have the link for you in our show notes. After the two-week free trial, it's just $7 per month. That's 35 cents per day to outsource your healthy decision-making and free up your mental energy. They make it so easy. Again, that's movementandmeals.substack.com. It costs nothing to give it a try, and it might just help keep you consistent and on track in your health and wellness journey. Okay, now let's talk about Nicholas Vigil. Nicholas, who I'm going to call Nick from here on out, was a larger-than-life kind of guy. At the time he disappeared, he was 37 years old, 6 foot 1 inches tall, and weighed 250 pounds. He had also been losing weight, and his mom, Debbie, said he recently had lost around 50 pounds. And unfortunately, though, his weight loss was so recent, most of the photos out there of Nick are showing him about 50 pounds heavier than he actually was in February of 2020. It's really hard to imagine. February 2020 was just weeks away from a countrywide lockdown the United States would soon be experiencing. In a way, it feels like so long ago. But in reality, compared to many missing person cases we cover, February 2020 really isn't that long ago, just two years. However, in missing person cases, each and every day feels like an eternity to these families. Nick didn't really have much of a social media presence, but he did enjoy some other activities. In 2016, he was arrested and charged with possession of marijuana. We will revisit this in a little bit because to most of the world, this isn't a big deal. But Nick lived in Humboldt County, and there is a history there. If you know, you know. And if you don't, we will go into more detail about that area shortly. In February of 2020, Nick took a trip to Las Vegas for what would be described as a mixed martial arts event. And while in Vegas, Nick won a ton of money. And I know you are probably wondering, as am I, what exactly is a ton of money? And I suppose this means different things to different people, of course, but You have to wonder if this event is related to his disappearance or if it is just a random fact about Nick and what happened in the days prior to him going missing. We don't know what exactly he won and we don't know how he won it. All we know is he did come home with a chunk of money. On February 24th, 2020, Nick left Las Vegas and traveled back to California He would arrive at his mom's house around 3 a.m. The next morning, or technically actually just a few hours later, Nick left his mom's house, not telling her where he was going, but he did say he would, quote, be right back, end quote. So Nick would leave the house, getting into his gray Ford F-250 pickup truck and drive off. Debbie expected her son home shortly after. But Nick didn't come home. Nick's friend started reaching out, looking for Nick also, saying that Nick never arrived at his house as planned to pick up this check. 
This concerned Debbie even more, and she eventually expressed her concern to law enforcement, but her pleas for help fell on deaf ears. Authorities didn't really want to be bothered. Essentially, there was zero evidence that anything had even happened. Nick was 37 years old, and there were no signs of anything nefarious going on. And his truck was also missing, so everyone really just assumed that he had the truck and he had just left town for a while. His friend is eventually questioned, or at least voluntarily talks to law enforcement, the one that Nick was supposed to be seeing that morning, but the friend just said that Nick never showed up. And really, it seems it was the friend that helped even alert family that something was wrong. On February 26th, the day after Debbie saw her son leave the house, a forest worker in the town of Weichpak noticed a truck parked down a rural road. This forest worker didn't pay much attention to it. I'm guessing he just thought it was broken down there or that whatever had happened to it, somebody would eventually be coming back for it. However, it would be weeks before he actually reported this truck. And he did so then because he saw signs of it being broken into and thought people were vandalizing it. It was actually mid-April when Nick's mom learned her son's truck had been found. And oddly, it seemed this forest worker not only drove by the truck regularly for weeks, at one point, they also took a photo of the truck and posted it to the local Weichpack Facebook group to see if anyone knew who the truck belonged to. We don't really know much about this forest worker either. I don't know if it was a ranger. I don't know if it was someone who had any type of law enforcement privileges, but I just have to wonder, why didn't they run the plates to find out who this truck belonged to? Why go to the lengths of taking a photo and posting it on Facebook? Unless the plates were missing off of the truck completely, which it's never specified. So maybe this forest worker couldn't run any plates or didn't have any plates to even give police to run. Or did they just not want to be bothered with contacting law enforcement, instead turning to a local Facebook group for help. So for weeks, Nick's truck is there and no one pays any attention to it. And no one is paying any attention to Nick's disappearance either, except his mother, Debbie. Everyone else just probably thought he'd just taken off. But once the truck is finally identified as being Nick Vigils, the case is finally put into motion. And law enforcement admits right away that... Yes, his disappearance is suspicious. They begin by tracking his cell phone pings to find out his movements, especially starting with the day he left his mother's house, February 25th. And that would actually be the only ping they would find. A ping that happened near Blue Lake, California, specifically Titolo Hill Road. This area of California is pretty confusing too. There is a Blue Lakes, California, and a Blue Lake, California, and they're not close to each other at all. We are specifically talking about Blue Lake, California. We are in the northeastern part of the state, and we're going to look at this area pretty hard. If you're watching this on YouTube, I will put some maps up so you can see the different areas that we'll be talking about. So Nick's cell phone pings on this Titlow Hill Road in Blue Lake. 
This is, according to Google Maps anyway, an hour and 20 minute drive from Fortuna, where Nick had left from his mom's house that morning, which to me seems kind of far since he told his mom he would be right back. But again, I guess that could depend on what people mean when they say that. I guess if someone tells me they would be right back, I'd expect them back in less than a couple of hours. In fact, I'd probably expect them back within an hour. But Nick leaves Fortuna, or at least his phone does, and at some point this phone pings in Blue Lake, over an hour, again, away from Fortuna. Then Nick's truck is found abandoned in Whitepack, which is another hour north of where his phone pinged. So his truck is actually found a couple of hours from his mom's house in Fortuna. Whitepack, where the Ford F-250 was found, is considered part of the Hoopa Valley Reservation. Some people that are local to this area, however, have said that that area is also considered part of the Yurok Reservation. So this area of the Hoopa Valley Reservation and the Yurok Reservation is a rural area. And I did check out some images and it's a beautiful area. Rivers, creeks, mountains, and just a pretty landscape all around. But this area is rich with controversy too. And this story is about Nick. But if you are interested in the history of the Native Americans and indigenous people in that area, research the falling out with the Hoopa people and the Yurok's and the division that would take place there in 1988, which is kind of recent history as far as reservation territories go in the U.S., White Pack sits specifically on the reservation between the Hoopa Reservation and the Yurok Reservation, an area that some locals have referred to as a lawless area, which has raised a lot of concern for Nick's well-being. Authorities also searched the area where his truck was found, but didn't find anything. In fact, they believed that the truck was likely stolen and left there staged for them to find. But I have to wonder if they staged it there so it would be found or if they believed it would invite vandals and thieves to ransack the truck and thus help muddle any evidence that would lead to any perpetrators. For instance, if many people were touching the truck and going through it, it is going to make the forensic evidence gathering a bit of a nightmare for detectives. Law enforcement also said that Nick had property near Weichpack and they conducted a search there also. And the only thing they really said was that they didn't find anything useful to his disappearance, but they did notice that his property had been ransacked just like his truck had been. Were people looking for something? What were they looking for? Or was this staged? Investigators questioned Debbie on Nick's habits to get ideas of where they can search for him. Where might he go? Who might he talk to? And Debbie said her son did frequent two casinos very regularly. Blue Lake Casino and Bear River Casino. Blue Lake Casino is located near Fortuna, really close to his mom's house, where Nick was on that morning of February 25th. Bear River Casino is about 30 miles north of that. It's not directly en route to Titlow Hill Road where his cell phone pinged, but it could be. You could take that route to get there. Authorities 
reviewed all CCTV footage, however, at both casinos looking for any sign of Nick, but they didn't see him anywhere. Detectives have said that both casinos have been fully cooperative during the investigation. So if he didn't go to his friend's house that morning as he was supposed to, and he didn't go to the casinos that he always went to, where did he go? Before we dive deeper into the investigation, or lack thereof, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Euphoia. Euphoia, a Greek word meaning having beautiful thoughts and a well-balanced mind. A balanced mind and body bring inner strength and self-confidence to power your best self. Euvoia Wellness, spelled E-U-V-O-I-A Wellness, is created to help you be your best self. All of our products are made using full-spectrum CBD, meaning we use all the therapeutic parts of the hemp plant. If you have areas of discomfort or pain, our CBD relief roll-on is perfect for getting deep into your sore joints and muscles. A good night's sleep is vital to good health. Our sleep oil gives you better REM sleep and more refreshed mornings, while our regular full-spectrum oils are truly the liquid gold you need for your daily routine, making your days more focused and less stressful. Go to Uvoia Wellness, E-U-V-O-I-A wellness.com, and find the natural solution for your wellness needs. That's E-U-V-O-I-A wellness.com, and use promo code wellness at checkout for 15% off your purchase. While investigators were investigating, the family didn't feel they were taking it seriously enough. And you guys, I see this in almost every case. And you have to imagine the despair that a family is feeling when their loved one is missing. It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. It has to be the hardest thing to deal with. So of course, they're desperate for answers and desperate for help, and they look to law enforcement to get that. And there's always two sides to every story when it comes to the division between these families and law enforcement. But in this case, the division between law enforcement isn't just with Nick's family. It seems to be with most of the people in that area. There are tons of protests and and comments and just people coming forward constantly discussing this division, this breakdown. And soon, MMIP activist Jesse Armstrong helps take up the case with Nick's family, speaking to media, organizing protests, and even working with a private investigator to help find answers on Nick's whereabouts. Now, this made me wonder, what was an MMIP activist doing in this case? Nick is listed as a Caucasian in all of his missing person files. Was it because he has been listed incorrectly? And this can be a problem that I've seen before in missing person cases if we don't accurately put information into the system. Or is it because his truck was discovered on or near the Hoopa Reservation? MMIP, if you're wondering, stands for Murdered and Missing Indigenous People. And it could be that he got involved in Nick's case because it took place in an area where we have a bunch of missing and murdered Indigenous people. We actually featured MMIW back in October of last year, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, and focused on some unsolved cases 
of those Indigenous women. Percentage-wise, these cases far outweigh any other group of people in the U.S. when it comes to missing persons. The statistics are absolutely shocking. And almost every Indigenous person either knows someone who has gone missing or knows someone who has been a victim. So I thought it was interesting to read that Jesse Armstrong and the MMIP came in, but the more help, the better. And the protests that took place in Humboldt County were pretty intense. At one point, they hung a red dress up in front of the coroner's office, protesting autopsy results in that area. Many people in the county believe that they are mislabeling deaths as drug overdoses, when in fact, they are not. And there are so many people they are standing in protest for, Nick Vigil just being one of them. Tawny Dean James, 32 years old, a suspicious death in August of 2020 listed as an overdose. Tavia Starella Metzger, 33 years old, suspicious death, also in August of 2020, also listed as an overdose. B.B. Simmons, a 75-year-old Berkeley musician, disappeared in September of 2020. Her car was found abandoned on Snow Camp Road in Humboldt County, and I do believe they may have found her remains a while later, but information hasn't been widely shared to confirm or for me to give you any more details on that. And then there's the case of Mikey Logan, found deceased in a Hoopa River that summer, the summer of 2020. All of these people died in 2020, and the list goes on from there. There is so little information on Nick Vigil and so few people talking despite the obvious signs of something going wrong and a mother and activist working daily still to try to raise awareness. I continued to research the Hoopa Valley Reservation and the Yurok Reservation and all parts of Humboldt County, California. And if Humboldt County, California sounds familiar, you maybe know it from the Netflix series, Murder Mountain. Full disclaimer here, I have not watched it. But the premise of this series takes place in an area of California, often called the Emerald Triangle, and makes up part of what is called Murder Mountain. Murder Mountain, in fact, was originally titled Murder Mountain, Welcome to Humboldt County. So this case has taken us straight to the epicenter of Murder Mountain. I got this info here on that area in the show straight from Wikipedia. Netflix picked up the series and it premiered on the platform on December 28th, 2018. The show covers an area of Northern California's Humboldt County, including the local marijuana industry and multiple disappearances and murders that have occurred in the surrounding mountain range. Much of the show follows the case of 29-year-old Garrett Rodriguez, a cannabis grower who was found murdered in the region back in 2013. So you might be wondering, just because Nick's truck was found in the center of this very controversial area, does that really have anything to do with Nick's disappearance? Well, maybe nothing, of course. But I want to take you back to 2016, when Nick was arrested and charged with marijuana possession. In addition to being charged with possessing marijuana, if you read through the court documents, 
He was also charged with running a little operation of growing marijuana. And he allegedly owned property or had property in Weichpack, which is technically part of the Yurok Reservation and is considered Humboldt County. There are many people in that area that have gone missing. And now it makes you wonder if this had anything to do with Nick's disappearance. Was he another victim in Murder Mountain? Is the crime rate there part of the reason that investigators haven't taken his case as seriously as they could have? I wonder if they kind of turn a blind eye to the drug operations that are going on there, or if they're just so overwhelmed because there's so much going on there and so many cases that they just can't keep up. Jesse Armstrong will point out that Nick's truck wasn't reported to authorities for 46 days. It sat on the side of the road with the forest worker driving by it regularly for 46 days, 46 days that Nick's mom, Debbie, was looking for her son and his truck. Authorities didn't begin even searching for Nick or investigating his case for 46 days. So maybe Nick was still messed up in the operations there on Murder Mountain, or maybe he wasn't. And I have a couple of thoughts on his disappearance. Maybe someone who knew about his recent win in Vegas came looking for him with the intention to rob him and the robbery went bad. But whoever this was, or whoever these people were, seemed pretty comfortable in getting rid of any and all evidence, including Nick himself. Or that morning, February 25th, when he left his mom's house, maybe he met up with someone else, someone regarding his connection to the marijuana growing operations out there. But if so, why did he skip going to his friend's house first? Was he intending to go to his friend's house right after a meetup? Or did these other people or person find him first? And then of course, Nick was also known to be a gambler. Did he have a gambling debt to take care of? I have a hard time with this one because he had just won a large sum of money. And he seemed to have cash at his disposal. And a friend was supposed to be giving him a check that day. For what? I don't know. But it seemed he had money. If he had a gambling debt, why didn't he pay it off? And this seems like one of those cases where law enforcement needs that anonymous tip to lead them to Nick or to lead them to some answers. This is likely a community of people that don't like to talk and probably want to stay out of situations like this and anything and everything involving law enforcement, especially if they're mixed up in some shady stuff also. That's why anonymous tips exist. The family does have a reward offered of $10,000 for any information leading them to Nick. Detectives often say in these type of cases, it's the reward money that can help bring in those tips. I have tried to find out if Debbie has any sort of fundraiser set up or is planning to, or there's any way to collect donations to help increase that reward. And if I do find out there is, I of course will link it on our social media pages for you if you're interested in helping. Nick Vigil was 37 years old when he vanished. 
He is described as a Caucasian male. He's six foot one inches tall, weighing around 250 pounds. He has brown hair, which he often shaves, and brown eyes. Sometimes he has facial hair, and sometimes he is clean cut. Debbie said she last saw her son leaving the house that morning in a lightweight zip-up jacket or a hooded sweatshirt, a t-shirt, khaki shorts with pockets, a black belt, short black socks, black Nike sneakers, and a necklace with a blue stone and a nugget. He was also carrying a black backpack with his laptop computer, keys, and some other belongings. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Nick Vigil, please contact the Fortuna Police Department at 707-725-7550. You can also call Crime Stoppers anonymously at 1-800-222-TIPS. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Nick's story today. His mother continues to fight every day for answers on her son. Now, I also promised an update on a case we covered back in October of last year. We don't have all the details yet, but the family of Jamie Yazzie has confirmed that her remains have been found. Jamie's case was one we covered during our focus on the MMIW, as Jamie herself was part of the Navajo Nation in Arizona. The Navajo Nation president, Jonathan Nez, had this to say. Today, Navajo Nation president, Jonathan Nez, offers condolences to the family and relatives of Jamie Lynette Yazzie, a member of the Navajo Nation who went missing in June of 2019. Sadly, the family was recently informed that she had been located and was deceased. We continue to pray for the family and friends of Jamie. With the recent development, we are hopeful that we are a step closer to providing closure for the family so they can continue to heal. The FBI is leading the investigation and is offering a reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible. More information available on the FBI's website. So that was a Facebook post from Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez, and it was dated March 1st, 2022. So unfortunately, this is the outcome that many feared for Jamie because of the events leading up to her disappearance. But it's such a sad outcome for this family. Jamie was a mother with young children, was going to school and working to better herself and become a nurse. And while it's truly a devastating outcome for Jamie, we at least know that her family can have closure and can try to find a way to move on. Keep an eye on our social media. I will share any additional updates that come in regarding Jamie. And if there's any fundraisers set up for her, I'll of course share those as well. Keep the family in your thoughts and prayers as this is definitely a difficult time for them. Even though they now have some answers, there is still an investigation ongoing, and these children have lost their mother. 
If you have any case suggestions for us or any feedback at all, please contact me at canwefindthem at gmail.com or through DMs at any time. Thank you also to our sponsors today, Movement and Meals and Uvoya. I appreciate you all so much for listening to Nick Vigil's story today. An interesting one to say the least and definitely very mysterious. Share his name, share his story, share this case any way you can. The answers are out there. We will be back again next week with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.